Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Steph. And this is Not Today. Oh, beat you to it. No. Beat you to it. Hi. <laughs> I liked that intro you gave. Yes, it's very original. It was fun. It's my idea. Like, I thought of it, not you. And this is not today. You like it? Yeah, that was good. I don't think I sounded that different. No? When I listened back, but I don't know. I had a touch of morning radio host vibe. Yeah, that's that's you the know. vibes you were giving off. I know, I did. I tried to do the voice last time, and now I'm slipping back into it sometimes. I think it's fun. Good. I'm glad. How? What? What's happening in our lives? Anything? Um, I'm going home. You so, are to me familia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. For a week. Michigan. In Michigan. Love that. At an undisclosed location. <laughs> right. Um. For all you stalkers out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try and find me, bitch. I'm in Michigan. <laughs> try. Just you try. <laughs> um. Um. But yeah, no. That's. I'm very excited. It's been long overdue. Mm-hmm. There's baby cousins involved actually all four of them fun to play with and enjoy and see everyone else love that you know yeah i feel like the only thing exciting happening in my hectic life right now is uh the new episode of rick and morty was really fun i like Uh, i I don't know like i've never enjoyed an an episode like that one last night i was just having so much fun (laughs) it was fantastic yeah um if you're if you're a fan and you haven't seen it definitely watch it it. it's free on youtube yeah it's on youtube i don't know why i still understand why they put the premiere on youtube but i'm like really not mad about it because it was just so much easier to watch yeah it was a lot of fun you just pull it up on your smart tv yeah boom boom your smart tv Um, i don't know smart tvs are cheap that's true the the one i got was like two hundred dollars hell yeah and you can definitely get it for way cheaper bing bang boom bing bang smart tv Anyway, that's, I don't know. I guess we can... Yeah, it's kind of a little Rick and Morty ad, but like, oh God, it's so funny. <laughs> I won't give it away. Yeah, don't. Uh, we'll just kickflip into this episode, shall oh, yeah, we? Yeah, a little backflip into the story. Yeah. We'll a little shimmy. Face plant in. So we're going to talk about... Actually, I'm not going to give it away. I'll give you my oh. I'll give you my sources. My sources are from... Uh, I first heard about this story on the infographic show on YouTube. There was a good article on the Washington Post by Abigail Trafford uh, that was posted in 1995. Um, the Herald, Scotland, and AP News. So those are my sources. Shout out AP. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Shout out AP. Um, so we're going to do a little rewind to May of 1995 and two doctors were waiting to board british airways flight 747 from hong kong to london mm-hmm. what are you doing you're very excited i am I'm, I'm getting i'm ready for the story okay i'm bracing okay seven flight 747 from hong kong from hong kong? <laughs> kong kong stop okay uh, anyway, their names were Dr. Angus Wallace, who was the head of orthopedic surgery at Queen's Medical Center in Notting, England, and doctor number two was Dr. Tom Wong, who was a resident practitioner at Dundee's Nine Wells Hospital in Scotland. Yo, and... he lives in Notting. Oh, <laughs> Notting, dude. Sick. Not, not today. Yeah. 
Oh, I'll wow. leave. I'll fucking leave. Okay, bye. Um, so the two doctors arrived that day for their flight on time. However, a woman named Paula Dixon had a much more chaotic experience that day. Mm. So trying to stretch out her 10-day vacation in Hong Kong, the 38-year-old mother of three had left herself precious little time to make her 11.45 p.m. flight out of Kai Tak Airport. And during her dash to make that flight, Paula fell off of the moving motorcycle that she was using to transport herself to the airport, and she hit the pavement and bruised and cut her arm uh, pretty badly. Damn. So she was riding a motorcycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're starting Why this... did you say it that way? <laughs> what? She was, like, on a motorcycle Yes. that she was using to transport herself. So I may or may not have copy and pasted that statement <laughs> from another website. I don't know. It just, you, it just, like the way, like when you say that, it makes me feel like she was on the back of a motorcycle. Well, I think somebody she like riding it. Well, there was else driving it. There was somebody else driving it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was her her fiance at the time, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So, all right. Well, would you like to tell the story, my guy? Yeah, I would. Or... Uh, give me the give me the notes. You're done. Okay, you've been fired. <laughs> um. So she walked away from the accident, believing that she had only banged up her arm, and since she didn't really feel like anything was really wrong, and she still wanted to get on the flight that that day, she went to the airport. And once she got to the airport, they were able to put her on flight seven four seven since she had missed her original flight. And as she boarded the plane. She told the flight attendants that she had some pain in her arm because, you know, she was just in a motorcycle accident. Right. And luckily for her, Dr. Wong and Dr. Wallace were on the flight that day and they came to examine her arm. And she stated that she had just fallen from a bike. So Dr. Wallace assumed that she meant a bicycle. And they told her that she seemed to have fractured her arm, but to just wait until the plane was in the air and then they could use the first aid kit on board to patch up her arm for the flight until she would be able to get to a hospital on the ground. So the two doctors went back to their seats and as soon as they reached cruising altitude, Dr. Wong and Dr. Wallace came back to where Paula was sitting. And they took a few bandages out of the first aid kit and fashioned a quick a quick fix splint out of a Hong Kong newspaper and rubber bands to patch up her arm and they left her in a sling. Oh yeah, this is field medicine, baby. Like, oh yeah. A newspaper? Yeah. Okay. You're gonna this is a very like improvised thing that they're gonna be doing. So Yeah, the other thing, one thought that crossed my mind is like, I don't know why they would just be like, Oh yeah, get on if she's fractured something, like she probably or might have internal bleeding. Okay, Dr. Alex. Well, they were on the plane already. So oh, okay. they, yeah, she wasn't just like in the Hong Kong airport. They were already on the plane and like about to take off. And they were like, we're not going to get off the plane. You definitely don't want to get off the plane. So we'll just give you a little splint. And then when you land, you can go to the hospital and you'll be fine. Because they just figured that her arm was like banged up. Right. How long is this flight? I'm going to get there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So only an hour later... 33,000 feet above the Bay of Bengal, the doctors were rushed back to Paula, and the flight attendants explained to them that she had bent over to take off her shoes and felt a stabbing pain in her left side, and suddenly she couldn't catch her breath. So the doctors thought that she had just bruised a few ribs in the crash, but after examining her, they discovered that she had actually broken quite a few ribs, which, as you can imagine, was extremely painful, and... 
Thankfully, there was a strong morphine-based painkiller on the plane, so they were able to give that to her. But directly after giving it to her, Paula began to have a lot of trouble breathing, and Dr. Wallace and Dr. Wong quickly realized that they had an emergency situation on their hands. And I don't think she couldn't catch her breath because of the, you know, the painkiller, but it was just like her condition was getting worse. Right. Yeah, I don't think it would necessarily cause that either from my extensive medical background medical background right but um yeah like if she's broken ribs and she just like keeps going on with life that's pretty badass well they're an hour into a flight and they can't really do much at this point i know i'm just saying like she broke them before the flight she did so but she didn't fully broken her ribs for a few hours now and it's just like meh She's going to go on a plane. Right. Yeah. I mean, she just, I guess, really wanted to get to her destination. So she, even if she was in some, you know, pain, which I'm mm. sure she was, she was like, well, it's fine. I'm not going to die. Yeah, right. Like, had to be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. So her symptoms had shown that one of her cracked ribs had punctured her lung and the air that escaped from her lung was forming an air bubble in her chest. So this is a condition called pneumothorax, and it's essentially a collapsed lung. And a a pneumothorax occurs when air leaks into the space between your lung and chest wall. The air pushes on the outside of your lung and makes it collapse. A pneumothorax can be a complete lung collapse or a collapse of only a portion of the lung. Um, And if this was left untreated, it would have been deadly. Yeah, not doing good with this one as a mild hypochondriac. <laughs> You're like, like can, can I breathe? <gasps> oh, geez. Did I break a rib today while oh, sitting whoa, at whoa. my desk? <laughs> Did I puncture a lung today? Um, <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, well, no shit. She can't breathe. She's got one lung. That's, yes, that's right. And so now uh, this feels like a good time to tell you that the flight that they were on was going to be 14 hours long, and they were only about an hour into it. And also, there were 300 passengers on board. Right. And these people have places to be. Like, <laughs> we don't have time for this woman to be dying. Right. Okay? People that's... have appointments. I mean, that's not really what I meant when I said <laughs> that there were 300 people. I more meant, like, you know, it's a full plane, and now they have to literally save a woman's life, which is kind of dramatic. <laughs> but Ah, uh, the drama. The drama of it all. Um, well, are they like in the open ocean at this point or like, or, or no, this is dumb. They're going to Great Britain, right? They're going to London. Yeah. They're going to London. They're over land. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think they, I think it was over the, the Bay of Bengal. That's what it said in the, in the article. But there. like they're about to go over China, right? Y- yeah, sure. Are they going to reland the plane? Well, let's find out, shall we? So <laughs> if this was left untreated, she would have died already said that so now this is fully a life or death situation and the doctors thought about asking the pilot to emergency land the plane but that was quickly ruled out because the change in air pressure could have killed paula so oh shit yeah so but if they just left her uh the escaped air from her collapsed lung could compress the other lung and soon she wouldn't have been able to breathe at all meaning she would also die if they left her there so they're like, mm, what do we do? You know, they sang that song. And oh, then, right, as one does. Right. And then they came up with the, you know, genius, genius idea that the only option was surgery right then and there. 
Are you joking? I'm not. Joking. Are they surgeons? Yes. Or one of them is. I don't I don't know if the other one is. I forgot what you, I I'm sorry, but I really forgot what you said the credentials were. Yeah, so were. Dr. Wallace is an orthopedic surgeon. Luck, oh, okay. Lucky for Paula who just yeah, no happened to stumble shit. stumble onto this flight. Dr. Wallace is a very experienced like orthopedic surgeon. So sick. Anyway. Yes, yeah, sick. But the first aid kit on this flight didn't have just spare surgical tools in it. Yeah, so, where's the scalpel at? Yeah, so they really had to get creative. So they started asking people what they had in their carry-on luggage. But, you know, actually, I think they did have a scalpel because they were able to do a little cutsy-poo later on. But Cutsy-poo. But, I'll, okay. But, I love that from you. Great. But, um... <laughs> One of the sources was like, oh, they didn't have a scalpel. And then the other one was like, oh, they had a scalpel. So let's just say they had one. Okay? Cool. Okay, great. One thing they did also have was lidocaine, which was a local anesthetic. And what they really needed was a tube to stick into her chest to release the trapped air. They did manage to find a tube in the medical kit on board, but it was a urinary catheter, which if you don't know... Uh, is something they shove up your pee hole to get the pee out. Yeah, I was like, that's a pee tube. That's a pee tube, um, not a chest tube. So wasn't great. And they didn't think they'd be able to use it since it was pretty small and didn't have much structure to it. So they didn't think it would be strong enough to, you know, go through her chest. They needed it to go through the muscles in her chest and not just like a, a pre-existing pee hole. So... <laughs> I'll stop with the P. So, yeah. Yeah. So their situa- their solution to this was Dr. Wallace found a coat hanger that he used to thread through the catheter to reinforce it, which basically turned it into a trocar, troker, which is a medical instrument used to draw fluid from a body cavity. Yo, Kaylee is going to eat this podcast up. Our friend, yes. Who is an, a medical person. Yes. AD. Yeah, my mom always gets a kick out of whenever we talk about medical shit, so. Um, yeah, we're clueless. We're clueless and uneducated. But, but we're having fun. Yes. So we hope you are too. Anyway, so they wanted to disinfect this tube and the hanger combo, tube hanger combo, but... All they had was uh, a really good Remy Martin brandy to do that. Remy. Yes. Let's go. So the flight attendants held blankets around Mrs. Dixon, Dr. Wallace, and Dr. Wong as they injected her with the lidocaine to stop the pain. And now the doctors needed to construct something to stop the air from getting into the other end of the tube. So they made a one-way valve. And they did this by threading a small piece of oxygen mask tubing through a hole in a cap of a half-filled water bottle, which I don't what? really fully know what that means. But if you're a medical person and you understand what I'm saying, go off. You know what I mean? A hole they, in a half-filled water bottle. Yeah. So basically, I don't think we're going to understand what's happening, but let's just say right. they they did what they had to do. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that was good for them. And now they needed to stick this tube into Paula's chest. Right. So they laid Paula across a row of seats and with a scalpel that we decided they had, um, Dr. Wallace made an incision just below her collarbone and into Paula's chest. 
And since they didn't have clamps to hold open this incision, it became Dr. Wong's job to hold it open using a plastic knife and fork. Oh, what? Like just Tupperware? Yeah, pretty much. But don't worry, they also sterilized it with the Remy Martin brandy. Wow, dude, this is just janky. Yes, it is. So holding the wound open with a knife and fork, they used the coat hanger to push the catheter into the incision, fixing it in place with adhesive tape. And they fed the tube into the bottle of mineral water, which acted as a valve to drain an air pocket that had built around the lung. They did it. She was conscious during this whole procedure, and she said it was a little unpleasant when they went through the chest wall. Yeah, I bet. Yes. Oh my god, I can't imagine. She only has lidocaine. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, and- Also, I think I figured out how they did the water bottle. Okay. So like the end of the tube Mm -hmm. is probably in the water. Yes. So that like it only can bubble out water, like air can't get in. Right. Yes, I feel stupid now. You're completely right. But that makes sense. It does. You're not stupid. It took me like, what, five, ten minutes to figure it out? Okay. Thanks for making me I'm feel better. I'm also dumb. <laughs> no. I'm I, just not telling the story. <laughs> it was just kind of hard to visualize. But, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, so once the catheter had penetrated the tissue surrounding Paula's left lung, the coat hanger was removed, and the air pressure around Paula's lung could now escape into the catheter. And each time she expanded her lung, a little more of the air strangling her was expelled. The flap in the catheter and the seltzer water kept what was expelled from slipping back, yes, and each breath got easier. And within 10 minutes, Paula Dixon was breathing normally again. Yes, Paula. Paula, we love that. Dude, she's doing it. She has the jankiest set of surgical materials in her body right now she does she is living but she (laughs) that's true but she had really qualified people using those janky materials so it was fine and dr wallace and dr wong toasted their feet by drinking some of the remy martin brandy oh why the fuck not that's so baller (laughs) right And the total cost of materials used in the operation probably wasn't more than a few dollars, including the tax-free brandy. So, Oh my god, the tax-free brandy. Right. And Dr. Wallace said it was the most unusual operation I've ever taken part in. And Paula said it wasn't painful because he flicked anesthetic around, but you could still feel it. I felt as though I'd been a lump of meat slung up on a meat hook. Wow. Yeah. Well... You're a living piece of meat. (laughs) Right. At least you're living. The whole operation took about 10 minutes. And after that, Paula was actually able to have something to eat and watched a movie. Oh my God. (laughs) With a (laughs) a fucking catheter in her. Yeah. With a tube sticking out of her into like a water bottle. So it wasn't that great. What do you do as the doctors? You're like, all right, well, like we're done here. And just go back to your seat and pop in, pop in a movie. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) What? I don't know. I just can't imagine I know. the scene on this plane. Like, could you imagine being the person just, like, in the seat behind her? And you're like, uh... You just, like, get front row seat to a open surgery? Yeah, pretty much. That's crazy. That's some crazy shit. But anyway, um, Paula made it through the rest of the flight, and the big white British Airways 747 landed at London's Heathrow Airport at 5 in the morning on Sunday, May 21st, 1995. Paula, who felt good enough because she had actually had eaten breakfast, was immediately transported to Hillington Hospital just north of the airport. 
And there, her makeshift surgery was closed, and she slowly recovered from the ordeal. Wait, so it was just, like, uneventful? Like, she just landed and then went to the hospital and was okay? There was no longer a hole? If she lands, she dies. If she stays the way she is, she's dead? Like, they just, that was it? Yeah, I mean... It's, like, no big deal? Like, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's just such a crazy thing because they literally had to perform surgery on a plane. But, like, after they did it, she was pretty much fine. And then she, like, lived. So if if you got one lung, you're fine? Well, no. Well, I don't know if her her lung went back to, like, breathing normally or if they they just stopped it from, like, the second one collapsing. They just, like, stabilized her? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, she was sent to the hospital and her makeshift surgery was closed and she slowly recovered from the ordeal. And she actually said, these two heroes saved my life. They really excelled themselves considering the equipment they had. And except for the drama of being at 37,000 feet and the fact that the surgery was not on the menu, the basic care Paula received on British Airways was comparable to what she would have gotten in any hospital emergency room. Back on Earth, the doctors would probably take a little longer to set up the procedure, but uh, as Till Jolly, Associate Trauma Director at George Washington University Medical Center says, you can do it in 20 seconds if you have to, but if you don't have to, the doctor on call would probably send her to get a chest x-ray to confirm the diagnosis of the collapsed lung, and then she would have been prepped for surgery with local anesthetic. And a trip to the ER in the U.S. in a U.S. hospital to treat a collapsed lung, including X-ray, tubing, medications, and and physician services, costs about a thousand dollars. So by comparison, a one-way ticket on British Airways from London to Hong Kong costs about uh, seven hundred and forty-six dollars, and both the patients and the doctors got bonus of nice trips halfway around the globe and a lot of frequent flyer miles thrown in. So basically what I'm saying is is if you need if you need your lung collapse fix fixed, just do it on a plane. You're you're sick. You'll but not just any plane. US British Airways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and Dr. Wallace received an award from the British government for this emergency, emergency surgery. And in the aftermath, Wallace and Wong published a brief article in the British Medical Journal about the incident. And Wallace also testified before a parliamentary committee investigating British Airlines' alleged lack of in, investment in onboard medical equipment. He also said first aid kits on planes from the U.S. are even worse, and airlines over here had virtually nothing on board to, of use to doctors. At the time, they didn't even have aspirin in their first aid kits, in, like, U.S. flight first are aid kits. Are you kidding me? Like, heart attack, hello? Somebody's a heart attack on your flight, and you don't have aspirin? I mean, at the time. I, I think they have since gotten a little bit better. They've gotten aspirin. That's it. Exactly. Literally nothing else. <laughs> sure. So he also stated that there needs to be a major change in attitudes in the U.S., both from the government and from the airlines. The aircraft's medical kit is quite equipped for having babies and for people who develop urinary blockages, but there's absolutely nothing in in this in the kit that helps you if you need to put in a chest drain, which I guess they weren't anticipating because why would you? But... Right. But, you know, shit happens. So Shit do happen. He then went on to become renowned in the world of sports medicine and was best known for fixing the broken feet of soccer star Wayne Rooney before the 2006 FIFA World Cup. So that's what Dr. Wallace did after that. And Hell yeah. Did what, they win? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I thought it would be a fun detail. I don't, yeah, I don't know if they won. But one year later, Paula returned to Hong Kong to be married to her motorbike driver, uh, German banker Thomas Galster, 
and she wanted Dr. Wallace and Dr. Wong at her wedding. Um, and from a quote from an article said, Miss Dixon, who now lives in Hong Kong, said, if it wasn't for the doctors, I wouldn't be here today. I can't thank them enough. I'd have loved them to be here for my big day, but they are both very busy men who are tired of publicity. And it said yesterday, meaning February of 1996, Professor Wallace was not available for comment, but his private secretary claimed he wasn't interested in the wedding. He said, Paula's getting married. Well, ho, ho, ho. As far as Professor Wallace is concerned, it's all over and done with. It's of no interest to him. So he basically said, get fucked, Paula. I don't oh, yeah, care. I'm like, what? That's I don't so care about you. cold. I know. It was a, uh, that's what I thought, too. But I just thought it was kind of funny that he was like, I simply don't care. Wow. Dr. Wong said, it's great news, and I'm very happy for her, and I would be delighted to see her again when she comes to Scotland. So, yeah, I'm not coming down. So he said, thank you, but no thank you. I'll see you someday, maybe. Probably not. Probably not, but maybe. I, I think I would have wanted to go. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Well, I mean, they saved her life, so they yeah. don't really owe her anything. Right. I guess that's true. But yeah, that that is Paula's story. It's kind of short, but I just thought it was really incredible, and I couldn't believe that there was actually surgery that happened on an airplane. But um, yeah, I, I kind of expected this episode to be a little bit shorter, but I have a couple other crazy things that have happened on airplanes. Can I th- say one thing? I thought that they were going to have to, like, literally just, like, stab her mm-hmm. to, like, release the pressure. Because, like, I have seen that happen in movies and am misinformed. But I felt like that was what they should do. Yeah. Like, we were, haven't you seen this before? We like, were just talking about that with yeah. who who had the tracheotomy or whatever it's called. Brock Meister. Right. He's the guy. He was the he was the the car crash guy who internally remember decapitated that? himself. Remember, remember, remember him? Yeah. No, we were just talking about a tracheotomy and how they we've seen in movies how they like literally stab people to like open up their shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, they didn't have to do that. Thankfully, they did have a scalpel and they could have they, they did form a makeshift tube that stuck in her chest so it was fine yeah i know but the the guy from the medical journal was like yeah i mean you could do it in 20 seconds if you needed to yeah is that what you do i guess fucking anesthetize it and smack it in there i don't know but yeah i don't know so like i said i do have a couple other crazy things that have happened on planes just because i wanted to like throw a little something in there and it came from litsverse.com just so we know the source of this And one of the things said, in 2016, a man was taking a flight to Paris and he tried to smoke a cigarette on board. Despite the fact that smoking on planes has been banned for years, he believed that he was above the rules. And he told, he was told by the employees that smoking was not allowed and was asked to stop. He wasn't allowed to have alcohol either. And this made him angry. So how did this man express his anger? He unzipped his pants and urinated on fellow passengers. (laughs) The victim stood up and punched the man and they began to fight. And passengers took photos on their phones uh, of the man who started all the trouble being held down by employees. For some reason, the unruly passenger also took his shirt off before letting loose, so to speak. And the airline had to land early uh, so that the man could be detained by authorities. Wait, so he got mad that they wouldn't let him smoke or drink. Mm -hmm. So he pissed on the people next to him? Took off his shirt and then fought someone. Wait, did he take his shirt off after he peed? I, I don't know the sequence of events clearly, <laughs> but those all of those things what did the happen. Fuck? Why is that your like why wouldn't you pee on the air 
crew that made a little bit more sense. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if you had to take your anger out on someone. How about we don't pee on anyone? I'm, but if you do. Let's if not. you, like, have to. You don't. But if you have to. Okay. <laughs> Next up. A 20-year-old college student was on a flight from Malaysia in March of 2018 when he pulled up his laptop to watch a movie. And that's perfectly normal, except he was watching porn. Uh, also, he stripped naked. Okay. In a- <laughs> An employee quietly asked him to stop, so he quickly put his clothes back on. Just fully butt naked? I don't, I guess. On a plane. Mm-hmm. And then pulled up porn? Mm-hmm. Started, I don't know. know. Well, we're not going to talk yeah. about anything that might have, may or may not have happened, but... Things that you do while one may or may not be watching porn butt-ass naked on a fucking plane. Right, but he got dressed again, so that was just something else that happened. Um, and lastly... Very early into a seven-hour flight from Heathrow to Dubai, a passenger went number two in the airplane toilets. Before long, the pilot made an announcement asking for the management employees to come to the cockpit to talk, and after a few minutes of discussion, the pilot made the announcement that the smell of someone's, quote, liquid fecal excrement was so pungent that it could already be smelled at the front of the plane because of the recycled air. And considering that they were in the beginning of a seven-hour flight, he felt that for the personal health and safety of the passengers, they needed to turn around and go back to Heathrow Airport. They'd only been in the air for 30 minutes, and everyone was asked to leave the plane and the passengers were given a free hotel room for the night before boarding a new flight the next day. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> what did he eat? I don't... Could you imagine being that person? Could you imagine? No, nobody knows it's I would you. literally jump from the plane. Wait, did anyone witness it? I don't know. Who did the doo-doo? Could you imagine your, your shit smelling so bad that you have to turn an entire plane around for the safety of others <laughs> the safety of the crew <laughs> and passengers that's a great story yeah that i just couldn't even believe that was so funny i mean there was there was a flight that i was on that there was a man who smelled so badly that i like it hurt my nose i have never smelled a smell so bad that it hurt my nose and he, he, I smelled him as soon as he walked into the, the gate area. And like, it was so unbelievably strong, his like odor. And then we were boarding the plane and I thought to myself, I feel bad for whoever has to sit near that guy. And I sat you. directly behind him. Oh, I sat in the seat directly behind him and he would stand up and like put his arms up to put oh, the shit no. in the, in the overhead bin. Oof. He, I literally had to move. I had to move. I was like smelling my hair throughout my, a couple hours that I was sitting behind him, but I had, I literally had to move. It was so, so terrible. Yeah. Not great. Have you ever had any crazy shit on a flight? Yeah, no, I'm trying, I was trying to think. I mean, I've had like, you know, little kids and babies screaming throughout the flight, but I feel like everyone has a story like that. Yeah. Anyway, that was the story. I guess I have no plane stories. That's okay. That's, that's good for you. Anyway, do you have a good thing? I do. My good thing is that the premiere of Rick and Morty came out, mm-hmm. and we watched it, and it was fantastic. And I don't care that we talked about it in the beginning, because it was that good. <laughs> it was That's very my good. good thing. It was very good. Um, okay, yeah, my, my good thing is that I have been putting myself out there a little more, and I've been 
trying to make friends and, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm meeting some cool people, doing some fun things, and I'm proud of myself, damn it. Amen. And that is my good thing. Yeah, no, it's like, it's so weird because you don't really like realize how the past year has affected you until you try and like talk to other people in groups. Oh, yeah. Or like try and like just initiate contacts. But like, I don't know. I feel like at the same time, I I, like haven't had that for so long. I just don't care. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time. But it is, it's super hard to start. Mm Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. But yeah, that's that's my good thing. I don't think I have anything really else to say about that. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to keep up with the photos that we post, uh, follow us at nottoday underscore podcast on Instagram. You can follow us on TikTok at nottodaypodcast. We have a YouTube channel if you would like to listen to us there. And we have a Twitter that is nottoday underscore podcast with a T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.